Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern that's really questioning his taste in art in the 2000 comic book era now. <laughs> codename Legion Cub. Uh, you oh and me both, pal. Uh, you can get Audible Interlude, uh, Audible Interlude shirts. Uh, go to Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. Check out the pinned stories, and it'll take you to our T Public store where you can pick up an Audible Interlude shirt. Uh, you can also catch us live every other week on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, we do live streams usually on Monday nights, but sometimes we have a themed episode on a different night or just for scheduling reasons, we move it around. But if you're following Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram, that'll tell you when everything is happening. Uh, our rank and file card segment is going to be postponed until next time. Uh, the Lieutenant Colonel has been a little too busy partying and that is not a joke, uh, to get to the last four that I sent him. Uh, so he's going to get to those this week. Uh, and we will return with that segment on our next audio episode. I think he was getting jealous of all those Joes that he said would rank higher. So obviously they're having way too much fun. And he was like. I'm going to relive that. He's like, I need to get out there and uh, hit up some bars. Uh, he's not been going to bars to be. <laughs> he, he is partying, but in a uh, a, a slightly different manner from uh, the, the days of his youth. Uh, so we're having a little conversation here to open things up. We don't normally do this. We usually go right into segments, but we just recorded our last live stream uh, on the Needless Things YouTube channel. And... A question came in right as we were wrapping things up from Palpatine 1975. Uh, they asked, do you think Hasbro will release the Conquest uh, or the Rattler? And uh, there's a little bit of conversation to be had there because we, we did talk about it a little bit after we got off the air, but I think it's worth following up here. And there were no specifications. So it didn't say as a HasLab or to retail or at all or however... I think there are possibilities. I definitely think those two are greater possibilities than the Rolling Thunder. <laughs> Which, by the way, I kind of think Lenny was joking when he said that. Uh, I don't know. Oh, boy. Don't you start. Think about it. He did that that unboxing of it. Like, he... Well, the Thunder Machine. You know, oh, Thunder, Thunder Machine, Machine is what Thunder he did, Machine. not Rolling Thunder. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't Thunder. know. I still, I don't know. Thunder Machine I, is very realistic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. I mean, I, I am, I personally am completely sold on the Thunder Machine Triple T rumors uh, mm. for Transformers that, that we discussed a few weeks ago. Like, I, I think that's happening. I think they're all but confirmed at this point. Now, I, I might be wrong. I don't have inside sources or anything. But those sound so plausible to me that uh, I I will be delighted but not surprised if they announce them uh, on March eighth. Yeah, and we uh, so we have a big a big Excuse announcement me. or two if, coming up in a few if days. They, if they announced them on March eighth, yeah, which <laughs> is for us in the future, but for anybody listening to this has already happened. But that's okay because we'll be discussing all of that on our next live stream on March the thirteenth. 
Well, this is also presuming that they actually do this live stream on March 8th, because this is, of course, the holdover from the love stream that happened on the 14th, where this was That's supposed right. to happen initially. That's right. Well, hopefully if they delay it, it won't be more than a couple of days. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's okay. We'll come up with content either way. So uh, it does bring up the question, though, of what Hasbro might possibly do for O-Rings, what might be realistic. And I have to point out, I was the guy that for years said Hasbro would never re-release O-Rings or never start doing O-Rings again because they would be too expensive. I just never imagined that Hasbro would have the gall to charge $21.99 a piece <laughs> for the O-Rings. So taking that into consideration... Well, now I think there's, there's, if they see money on the table, there's nothing they won't try. Personally, I don't think we're likely to see O-Ring at regular retail, though. What do you guys think about that? Ugh, it's hard to say. Like, I don't, I don't think we're going to see, we're not going to have a fully fledged line of O-Rings, but we may see what we've seen in the past with like Walmart exclusives or things like the, the, the devastator Tonka re-release where it's like a one-off something or another. They, they send to target stores. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the question that we're going to get retail um, O-ring stuff, but, uh, but it's not likely we're going to get a lot of it. You know, that's actually a really good point that I had not considered is those, uh, all those retro transformers because tar walmart i think they're still mm -hmm. releasing them like mm -hmm. they're they're sporadic yep. yeah i just got the star screen that they uh shipped out a couple weeks ago so yeah they're doing those and those are actually going to stores uh but you also have to consider transformers has been a global brand for a very very long time in a way that gi joe has not yeah so there's when when you're pitching you know, the retro transformers to a retailer, they just see transformers money. But at the same time, Target is putting figures that are the same size as O-ring figures that cost a comparable amount to them and have five points of articulation on their pegs. And those things are moving. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's, that's what keeps very going true. through my mind is I there's a part of me that wonders when Hasbro struck up the deal with Super 7 to do the reaction if they weren't like, ha, 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 you know, this is going to be like niche, like most of the other right, reaction right. figures and look at what it has become. Like, as far as I can remember, they have had more waves of the G.I. Joe reactions than any other reaction line they've had. Um, and now granted, I know they don't count all of those army builder type waves as waves but, but they kind of are they are i mean so i hasbro has to know like look at all that money that we're yeah, missing out we on could be making that scale right right yeah that's a great point that's a very yeah. good point uh so with the possibility of future o-rings here here's a thought that i had I would actually kind of love it if Hasbro said, and, and there is a massive problem with what I'm about to say, and I'm fully aware of it, but I would kind of love it if Hasbro said, we just don't have the time and resources to devote to an O-ring line. Super 7, you go ahead and do it. Because Brian Flynn wants to do it, and Hasbro told him no. 
hand it over to Super 7, who I think will make more interesting choices than Hasbro. Uh, vehicles, figures, everything. Now, obviously, the big problem with that is the price point. Because if Super 7 is charging $20 for a five-point of articulation figure, what in the world are they going to charge for an O-ring? Yeah. Uh, so that that would be an issue. But man, can you just imagine some of the cool... Like, think about this. If Super 7 gets the license to do O-rings, imagine getting... Uh, like foreign o-ring figures in every wave like that the black and yellow flash body with the silver snake eyes head whatever Mm. that thing is Mm -hmm. like imagine them throwing stuff like that cobra de asso imagine that man (laughs) throwing that stuff in every wave yeah how great would that be to be able to buy those like 500 dollar figures I just think there's so much great potential there doing. And they uh, did such a great job with the masters of the universe classics figures that, yeah. I mean, if anybody's going to do it right outside of Hasbro. Sun sunbow accurate O-rings like mm-hmm. the, the, because if you like the Duke and Cobra commander are cool, but if super seven had done them, they'd be incredible. Uh, yeah, just, just a thought that I had. And, and, and again, I am well aware of the pricing the, the, yeah, but, is terrifying. Okay. So yes, a reaction figures 20, their ultimate figures are 55. There's not actually a lot of wiggle room between those two. If, if you start trying to get an O-ring figure into that $40 price point, it's almost like the ultimates or the reactions would have to become the sacrificial lamb right? for this O-ring to happen because it's part of my issue with the Hasbro O-rings. You, if I can go on Kickstarter and get back O-ring figures that are, a better quality than what you're putting out at $25 a pop. I'm sorry, but nostalgia can't that's, convince me that's a very to good pay point. 30 something for a lesser quality figure. I might as well just stick with the ultimates, but I think you're right. Super seven would do the old rings way, way better. I think than, than what Hasbro was willing to do. Yeah, I do. In in my head, if this were to happen, reaction would be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah. they would switch completely to O ring, and I'd be fine with that because that's you know, if I'm being honest, that's what I would have wanted in the first place. I've literally only bought the reaction stuff because the concepts are just so cool, and I mean they do. I get people that don't like them, but on the shelf together. Those colors, those characters, that variety, it looks great. It's just a fun, fun line that so far is delivered every single wave. Uh, all right, any more thoughts about O-Ring in general, Hasbro, what they might do? The, well, vehicle-wise, let's talk vehicle-wise. So I think fan channel is a possibility for lots of things. 
uh if you could do they actually yak face uh, if you're not following yak face on instagram they're they're great if you're any kind of star wars collector uh and they put together the information to see that the n1 starfighter from the mandalorian is getting a vintage collection release and it's supposed to be 131.99 which people lost their minds over and it's so funny to me to look at comments like in 2003 we would have gotten this for 25 dollars well yeah that was 20 years ago dummy yeah do you understand how the economy works like but with that said a, a price point like that i don't think you have as much success in a major retail store like you used to that to me does sound more like the sort of price point that you're going to get by going to a fan channel i i think yes. if you want to be successful at retail the toy lines that i see that end up with items on clearance or <laughs> hasbro just is not going to clear out certain jurassic park dinosaurs they're just going to clog the shelves forever <laughs> Um, I think you, it's got to be a $50 price point or less because you've got to be able to uh, sort of appeal to the impulse buyer as well. So something like the Stinger that they could keep at a $30, you know, $35 right, right. price yeah. range, you put that at retail, awesome. I think when you start etching up in closer to $100, you'll they'll have a few and then when they're gone they're gone the last thing that i can think of that was similar to that they did uh they did an x-wing it was a target exclusive i cannot remember the character's name he was the uh priest on the exorcist tv show i think <laughs> uh but they did it, it was a target exclusive x-wing Gosh, I want to look him up now. I cannot remember the actor's name or anything about it. Uh, let's see. But I never saw it. Yeah, I never saw here. it in stores. I never uh, saw it available for pre-order. Target exclusive. I have it. seen the... Oh, Ant Antoc Merrick. Uh, hmm. Antoc Merrick's X-Wing. Which is beautiful, and I would have bought it if I'd ever seen it, and I never saw it. And how much did it retail for? One hundred. One hundred ninety. Oh no, wait. This is this is a Walmart listing. It was over a hundred dollars. I know that for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, speaking of Yak Face, here we go. Yeah, look at this headline. Well, you can't look at it. I'll I'll read this headline since <laughs> you can't look at this headline. <laughs> Target exclusive TVC Antoc Merrick X-Wing went online at 3 a.m. Eastern time. Did you get it? I mean, what kind of garbage is that? All our, all our West Coast friends were, some of them were still up at midnight. Right. It's It was for those, it was all, all those Star Wars folks in the UK at 8 a.m. that wanted them. Yeah, yeah. I can't... Uh... I can't find an MSRP on this, unfortunately, but I, I know it was over a hundred. It might've been, I don't think it was 175. This was October of 2021. Uh, 
yeah, I can't see what the price was, but yeah, just very disappointing. And, and with a GI Joe item, you know, I don't know that even as a retailer exclusive like that, I, I just don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, mean, I could see them doing one larger $80 range vehicle or something like that, that hits, you know, either as an exclusive or something that, you know, is available in Walmarts and targets, but so what do you think would constitute an $80 range vehicle? Well, as we were talking about, I think you could possibly do the Conquest, maybe the Rattler. The Rattler would probably be a little bit more than that. I see the Rattler as 100 easily. It depends on what comes with it. Yeah. Th- well, in, in our Sky Striker episode, we kind of broke down what the pricing worked out to. Mm-hmm. Uh and given that, I actually do think you're right that you could get the conquest in at around maybe 75 or 80, and the rattler around 100. I I do think uh, using Hasbro's pricing on that Sky Striker Haslab that that's that's a possibility. Where I wouldn't have thought that before we like really broke everything down. Yeah, yeah. You're you're throwing in one figure. You've got. I, I mean, the, there's nothing really special about the accessories. You're just throwing on some some missiles. Yeah, yeah. I and and this is. I would rather see these things as. I, I don't need everything to be this big giant deluxe package like the Sky Striker was. Just no, me some, I would tell me some fewer vehicles. things be that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Only and do it when for it comes to my stuff. classified figures. I don't need all the blast effects. I don't need, um, you know, four extra heads or. 10 extra swords oh, just we're, to we're, diverge, we're diverging on that one now yeah. well yeah don't don't throw in a, a bundle of previously used weapons right, like right that i don't need but like extra heads and things uh, i i think are a great value that, that's a good value add well it depends if you're getting a 25 dollar figure with an extra head or two that's fine but when you're using it to justify now upscaling that that to a 35 dollar figure that's where i'm going to probably skip out on more potential buys it depends for me. It depends. Uh, all right. Well, there's a little conversation to kick things off, but I think, guys, it is time to move into uh, our hyped from last week, <laughs> our big review. All right, it's time for the big review. I wanted to do something kind of special. And, you know, with all of the talk of G.I. Joe comic books, what's going to happen? When are we going to be able to read them online again? I thought it would be a good time to revisit really a landmark event in the history of G.I. Joe. And that is G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number one, by Devil's Due Press, but from image comics uh this is the reinstated storyline that i was actively collecting at the time uh i bought every single issue of the the image and then devils do uh gi joe comics and at the time thoroughly enjoyed them this was the first comic that i had picked up at that point in time in several years uh, probably since the whenever the Shadows of the Empire comics came out um, for Star Wars. Okay. I wasn't doing a lot of comic collecting at that point. 
yeah, I was I was still actively reading comics, so it was yeah. not a big deal for me to just add this to my poll. I was working part time at Sci Fi World on the weekends when this came out, and it cannot be understated how huge this was. Yeah this this was a big big deal, and it, okay, so here's what's funny: this was a huge deal at the time. GI Joe largely even though it still had a retail presence because you had the real american hero collection uh going on but if you look at 2001 the year that this came out uh very small release year for joe we've got uh 16 figures five vehicles and then the manimals <laughs> oh yes at uh kb toys yes yeah so not not a big year but what's so funny is it felt like gi joe had been kind of a dead brand for so long it had only been seven years yeah seven years nothing drop in the bucket but when you think of their think of how to put this when you think in terms of the comics though by this point it had been in the eternity or what seemed like an eternity since any gi joe comics seven years at least well no incorrect my friend because dark horse put out a gi joe extreme comic yeah i forgot about that well i think everyone has forgot about gi joe extreme i actually have several of those issues still I just I just skipped I just, on that one because Extreme was so off-putting to me at the time. I, I well, never even the the very first issue doesn't say Extreme on it, and the cover is one of the most br- like beautiful things they ever did in GI Joe. So uh, is it the uh, silhouette? Yeah, the silhouette with the flag. Yeah, 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 yeah. That That's was a like great cover. I gotta, I gotta buy that. I get it. I get and it. it. Was, and there was good I, stuff in there too. Well, and from I. I I believe the comic was actually pretty good. Yeah, we'll, we'll but, have to review that one of these days. But we, at least at Sci-Fi World, our back issue bins for like the Marvel G.I. Joe, you, other than Silent Interlude and like issue number one, there was never a shortage. Like the... They were 50 cent books. Yeah, yeah oh, the yeah. popularity yeah, yeah. of G.I. Joe as a comic entity just was not there yeah. anymore and this i mean yeah quintessential image type studio artwork i remember the promo posters people were like oh i had that to my pool list it was a thing and we were just like gi joe okay yeah, the, this made a big splash. It was exciting to have a media presence again because, you know, I, I got back into the line in 97 and was collecting the toys, but to have actual accompanying media was very, very exciting. So we open up with who is this fella spying on the uh, the center of operations for the Dreadnought Syndicate, which, what a powerful opening block of text that is just on its own it's establishing okay 
Southern Florida. It's a locale we know well from the old Real American Hero comics. And to be clear, this is a, a continuity-wise at the time. This was the follow-up to the Real American Hero comics. Yep. yep. It has been retconned. Yes. But uh, at the time, this was this Listen, was in the universe. This is this is now GI Joe Legends. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dreadnought Syndicate. So we're already establishing a completely new idea that the Dreadnoughts are a more organized, uh, potentially much larger organization than what we had seen before. And I love that. I love that's such a great start. Uh, and then we see this fella, this ninja-looking guy with the Arashikage tattoo, which we by the show way, that tattoo. Yeah. Which, which by the way, looks completely like just red tape stuck to his arm. Right. Like the way the tattoo is illustrated is not the best. Well, the 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 lines on his arm do not transcend right. the 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 tattoo. They don't go so, yeah, through like the tattoo. Covering. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of weird. I guess we got to get this out of the way up front. This is what cool comic book art looked like in the early 2000s. Rob Layfield still had a giant influence on artwork at this point. Um, and at the time, I don't think I don't think I loved the fact that G.I. Joe looked like this, but I also wasn't like mad at it. Like reading this in, at the time. I believe, and I don't specifically remember, but I believe I was probably like, yeah, this is, this is what art, this is what comic books look like now. I I wouldn't, it's not a choice I would have made, but it's just what it was. Yeah. I, I don't remember being as shocked reading this for the first time as yes. I was going back and reading it now. And I reread this uh, within the last decade. I reread it. I reread digital copies of it. And I don't remember on a ten inch on a ten inch little um, screen <laughs> that it looked as striking as it did when I was looking at it just now. Yeah, we've we've got a few panels that we'll we'll pick out as we go through. Uh, Josh Blaylock uh, is responsible for the story and the layouts. Josh Blaylock will go on to be a, a huge name uh, in GI Joe. Uh, Steve Kurth did the pencils. John Larder was on inks. And Hi-Fi Color Design did the colors. Uh, the covers by J. Scott Campbell, which I'm a big, big fan of J. Scott Campbell. I am not a big, big fan of J. Scott Campbell drawing G.I. Joe. Just my personal taste. Yeah. Uh, so cool first page. We've got Dreadnoughts. We've got a ninja. Things are feeling real G.I. Joey. We got an alligator. We've got an alligator who meets, I think, an unnecessary fate. Yeah. Like I, I just I, before I get the it. time, it's edgy. Well, right, this is you're, Joe, you're, where you're going to see them actually kill. And you're, yeah, you're showing how how cool and what a tough guy Kamakura is by just which, by the way, not named immediately. Like it, it's a little while uh, before we learn this guy's name. Which is but, I mean, one of the things that I loved about this was the first character we see is somebody brand new yes it's, mm -hmm. it's telling me okay this is gi joe but this takes place in modern times so the the joes that we knew they're aging out we're gonna have to get some new blood in here and uh, i was really happy with that decision for about three issues and then they just kind of went <laughs> went in a different direction <laughs> things things changed yeah uh but you know it worked out in my opinion it worked out uh so 
it, uh, worth noting on the second page, they talk about Zartan's skin condition, which I thought was a nice reference and something to kind of be delved into. I like the idea that Blaylock decided that these characters were going to change. We're going to, like you said, they were going to age up things. Things have happened in their lives. Mm -hmm. This did not pick up on January 1st, 1995. Right. Uh, So we see this character. I was struck by how much, this Kamakura looks like the classified figure. Like it actually made me appreciate that figure a little bit more because I haven't read this comic possibly since around the time it came out. I think I reread this line like once a few years after it ended. Uh, and, and that's, that's it. So seeing this Kamakura, I was like, Oh, I kind of dig that figure a little bit more now. Uh, it's still not worth the price, but it's cool. And Kamakura goes and meets up with Silent Master, which is very cool. Yeah. So what do you guys think of this showing Snake Eyes in this capacity again has has moved on somewhat? This is this is what this is what I wanted G.I. Joe storytelling to be. Is the the next generation being trained by the old by the old guard and so this this to me was the capacity i wanted to see snake eyes in uh and obviously i we would also see him fight because you have to but this is the perfect way to bring him into the story as he has you know he's he's got a padawan well and this is what dc comics Mm -hmm. have have done so well for so long is with their legacy characters now granted they always end up going back to the originals or at least they have since jeff johns has been around uh but for a very long time dc was really good at introducing new generations of characters to step into roles look at the green lanterns uh the way that they've handled you know hal jordan to john stewart to guy gardner to kyle rayner like that's great storytelling that's fascinating Mm -hmm. progression and seeing the newer generation interact with the older generation and and like that evolution is is awesome. Some of my favorite Batman stuff was when Dick Grayson was Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just loved the idea of, of the continuation of roles with new Batman characters. Beyond is still my favorite animated Batman series. It's it's awesome. I mean, again, and just great. It's so obvious, but it's so difficult for these big money making entities to say to really commit to no, no, we're going to take this this very bankable character and change it it's it's hard to do and i i get it but right here we get these awesome two words silent master like just so cool uh, and you only see snake eyes uh scarred face and shadows and then we get i i'm still disappointed we didn't get an agent hauser figure which i guess would be easy enough to ooh i kind of want to do that now I've got plenty of suit bodies. Uh, <laughs> I love this concept of Duke that they introduce uh, in this issue that he's working for this sort of shadowy entity and he's now agent Hauser. And uh, again, he's moved on. He's doing he's, different things. He's kind this... of like one of the jugglers. Well, he, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see later on somebody yeah. who actually is one of the jugglers right. now. 
but yeah, this, I mean, it's great. And okay. So let me ask you guys this. I'm not a technology guy at all, but, uh, what is this liquid protein storage disc? <laughs> 2000 gig storage. Now think about that in 2001, 2000 gigabytes. That's uh, two terabytes. That's, I mean, that's a good bit, but I would say that, you know, advanced military technology is a little Absolutely. bit better than what we have as a but layman. It, but it is funny uh, to, to think of that at the time, this was some mind blowing, like, <laughs> Whoa. And it's a brick. It's so funny. It looks like a VHS tape almost. Uh, so Snake Eyes goes, communicates with Agent Hauser, who basically tells him uh, we're getting the band back together. Join up with us. Your Kamakura fella has brought us the kind of information we need. Uh, just this is it's all so exciting. As, as we're reading these first few pages. Uh, now, Christian, you had read these too, right? Yeah. When they came out. Honestly, I cannot remember ever going back and rereading these since, um, yeah, since that time. So, so as as we're rereading them now, like what what were you thinking? Like, was this coming back to you? Was the story kind of catching you up and getting you excited? Ooh, (laughs) my okay, the concept of the story the flood, the memory floodgates kind of open. And I remember at the time I thought this is really cool. Like it makes sense. It's such a typical action movie plot point. If you think like we're introduced to these people later on. So if we think we've beaten the bad guy, well, we don't need GI Joe anymore. So everyone has sort of gone their separate ways to do their own thing. Um, but what I, and we'll get to it in just a few more panels, but what sort of shocked me rereading it is the, not in the artwork, but some of the Sunbow influence that affected the the dialogue. Maybe unintentionally, yeah. but I was like, oh, yeah, we can't we can't make up our minds what we want to be. And at the time I didn't see that. Cause again, we were just blindsided by an image comics, GI Joe. This is amazing. This is perfect. And we didn't see the flaws. Well, and also at the time, it's not like we Sunbow and even the Marvel comics probably were not fresh in our minds That's when we were too. reading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So G.I. Joe was kind of just this amalgamation of everything from Sunbow and Marvel. Cause I, I couldn't, I could not have accurately described now the Sunbow ever since Rhino or Shout Factory or whatever put out the collection. I, those are in my regular rotation. So that's mm-hmm. like clear. But a few years ago, I probably couldn't have accurately described the tone or plot details or anything of the Marvel comics. I would have just said they were awesome. I loved them some of my favorite comics ever but i couldn't like if you had said oh well cobra commander and destro interact in a completely different way in sunbow and and in marvel comics i i would have been like uh did they i don't know well yeah, and i think actually, that there's oh. oh i was gonna say there's just no, a lot of a lot of nostalgia i think that people have where they they 
they remember the darker storylines of the comics but at the same time if you ask them like what are your favorite things about these characters they'll think about like the dumb plots that cobra commander came up with or they'll or they'll right, do a right. this side command and i was like this is right. the stuff they ever did in the comics yeah um so yeah we get agent hauser he's got some photographs on the table he's got uh Cobra Commander in his battle armor, Serpentor, a Televiper, which seems like an odd choice to be up there with with these heavy hitters, Dr. Mindbender, who, well, we'll get to what these characters look like now in a minute. Uh, But we get the Hiss tanks rolling in, and then the big, huge splash panel reveal, and I absolutely love the way this is illustrated. We've got Crimson Guards, the, the special guards of Cobra High Command, uh cobra commander in this incredible new uniform i really like the redesigned cobra logo uh mm-hmm. looks great on his chest this uniform is great the way the uh the cape is kind of offset um just looks awesome striding out this it's funny that he pointed this isn't video like when he said these are still photos i was like mm-hmm. oh weird uh but i love the way this is illustrated with uh duke standing in front of the screen and you actually see his shadow because it's being projected uh the way that they illustrated that just looks great the lines of showing the definition like this is a really really cool panel and showing cobra commander massive larger than life looking menacing like a threat that they're all concerned about jumping back to 2001 keeping in mind digital coloring it was something that was brand spanking new yes. so things yes. like the the shine on cobra commander's uh you know like the the metal it's a medallion there. yeah you can go ahead yeah, and say medallion like, like that was all <laughs> mind-blowing yes at the time mm-hmm. uh so and then we get G.I. Joe is back in action with the actual G.I. Joe logo in the word bubble, which is fantastic. Because, you know, when, we... whenever Duke says G.I. Joe, you just it, it, it might as well just pop up on the screen with the G.I. Yes. Joe logo. <laughs> yes. And then we turn the page and we get just two pages of absolute mutants. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, God! It's sort of like you turn the page, and the urge to vomit <laughs> is just so strong. And and again, this is what comics were back then. But everyone's foreheads were three times larger than the rest of their faces. Well, I don't know that they're <laughs> larger than their cheekbones. <laughs> My gosh, everybody looks like a skull. Look, even Cobra Commander's hood—you can see his cheekbones through his hood. <laughs> It's, this is insanity. Uh, the the just the proportions and the way that these are drawn. It's it's all it's all madness. Uh, like Flint looks like a Picasso painting in his like one off picture. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that eye is not placed where a normal eye should be. No, no. And if you you would not know that was Flint. No, no I didn't. When you I, I had it. no idea from from that first because I you can tell Roadblock, Scarlet, Shipwreck obviously snake eyes but like i did not know that was flint just mm-hmm. from looking at the panel uh so it we've got like our core valor <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, <laughs> never, never had a carb. Uh, so you've got your core team has, has been assembled, and I, I do like the little identifying panels, not only for the fact that it actually let me know that that's Flint, because there's no other indication. Uh, he should have had his beret on. That would have explained or narrowed it down to like five people, maybe. And they, and they you know, ask them, you know, they call them by their real names, Shauna, Marvin. Yes. You know, Hector, Snake Eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get to the next page that ha- features all of our uh, kind of primary Cobra goons. And, and boy, oh boy. So, <laughs> Baroness. Dear God. <laughs> I don't Who even know what I'm those, those glasses, first of all? Well, yeah, the glasses I don't understand at all. They're these Just like reader, readers, listeners, in case you are not following along in your copy of this comic, the lenses on her glasses they have drawn at like 45 degree angles to match the crazy artwork that they are doing for her, the rest of her face. Well, it almost looks like her glasses are like squares turned like where the points are at the top and bottom, like yeah. weird Elton John yeah. kind of situation or something. It's, it's really wild. Uh, and her chin. face, her face is shaped like the scream mask. <laughs> that is, that, that is the best description I think I have ever heard. It's really, really, really bad. Uh, it reminds Destro, me of an optical illusion that used to be in a lot of like books that I had as a kid where it was like, when you see this picture, do you see an old lady or a young lady? And if, <laughs> if you looked at it, the old lady, it's because she had this big, long chin. And oh, that's yeah, what she yeah. Looks mm-hmm. like. Um, it, well, if you turn this sideways, it looks like a platypus. Uh, Destro actually looks pretty cool. Yep. I, I think he's the most reasonable of all of them. Uh, and then you've got Tomax and Samot, uh, Zorana. Zoolander cheeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, Zorana. Firefly looks fine, but he's also wearing a mask. Well, and also has the scarring, if you notice. Mm-hmm. But and no eyeballs. No irises. Yeah. No irises, no pupils. Very, very odd decision there. Uh, Zorana at the top. She was mentioned earlier uh, because they did. Uh, oh, we yeah, we, we forgot to mention. Okay, so first appearance of Kamakura. First yeah. mention of Zanya. Zanya, yeah, mentioned early mm-hmm. on. Um, we'll get to another one later on. So who is right beside Duke <laughs> on... Wh- who is that with the little red glasses? With the tiny That's glasses. Wonder Man. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who that is. No, neither do I. And it looks, I mean, he looks interesting. But yeah, I don't know. And then Major Blood in this green helmet. And literal skull face when you look at his cheekbones. Well, but yeah. look, I mean, look at Mindbender. Look at his jaw. Yeah, but he cheekbones. actually has a a defined jawline whereas major blood is like literally the sh- his cheeks are the shape of what the bones are and then yeah, now i'm just going into mustache and teeth well i mean really mindbender has the mouth that rolls all the way up to the corner of his eye yeah <laughs> it's really creepy well that no that's his uh that's his it's supposed to be bone. his cheekbone but yeah, yeah you're right it does kind of look like that's it's just all bizarre. it's all one line yeah yeah very strange stuff. Uh, Zartan also looks not horrible. 
except for that expression that he's making. Well, yeah, he does look like he's been caught in <laughs> mid-bowel movement. Uh, so, but, yeah, anyway. And they haven't shown it yet. We'll get to it later in the issue. But this is also when we get the, the new Dreadnoughts logo design. Yes. So yes, they have yes. their own. And at the time, how many people were getting that tattooed? And I, <laughs> I know of at least two people that got it airbrushed on blue jean jackets and came into the comic shop. Oh, wow. That's with awesome. Them. So it was very popular. Uh, so let's reacquaint ourselves with some old friends. So we know they're bringing in more Joes. Uh, and then we get a little bit of business out here where Shipwreck and Roadblock are talking. They don't know what's gone down between, or I guess Flint doesn't know what's gone down between. Uh... And by the way, their foreheads have gotten bigger. Since yes, the their last foreheads are much, much larger. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Shipwreck is the one that doesn't know what's gone down between Snake Eyes and Scarlet. Uh, you know what I really like about this art, though? Uh, the The different heights that are portrayed in the characters. I like that Shipwreck is shorter here because as a sailor, he should be shorter. He's got to fit on those small little boats. That's right. Uh, tall sailors are unusual. So I really like, and throughout the comic, I noticed this, that there an effort is made to really give these characters different statures. They don't all just sort of look G.I. Joe size. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so we've got a little drama set up, and then we've got this one guy uh, with his Stan Laurel face. <laughs> uh, the Joes walk by him, and he, he thinks to himself, wow, Joe's in the flesh. So I like, that's another thing I like, is that they also establish sort of the public mythology of the Joes yeah. throughout this issue. Uh, they don't try and make it seem like it's a super secret organization, but they do say you know what what you know about what you've heard about what you've heard whispered about like i i do like that it was secret ish mm -hmm. uh so then we get the panels with scarlet and snake eyes where she smacks him it's very sad uh that's because he's wearing a mask everyone gets to see how bad scarlet looks now yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, and also Snake Eyes is, well, Snake Eyes and Shipwreck, I guess, are, are the only ones we really see in their ongoing uniforms in this one. And I like that as well. Everybody didn't show up in uniform. Like, they're they're in their other types of clothing. Mm -hmm. So then we get a big Cobra Commander panel where he's going to tell Cobra about his plan that is basically the 2009 movie. Mm-hmm. Only this was eight years earlier. <laughs> uh, we get another look at these completely horrifying faces. I like uh, I like Pimp Doctor Mindbender, and I almost wondered like if they were maybe trying to mash him up with Headman a little bit because mm. he's got his little purple, his little fedora, not the colors, but he's got his fedora. He's wearing looks like a long coat potentially. And the Baroness has upgraded her glasses to... Oh my gosh, you're right. She's wearing completely different glasses. And Z uh, Zartan looks like Lobo. Zartan looks like a little person. <laughs> yeah. His, his proportions are very interesting. Uh, but yeah, Zartan is... Well, I think an effort was made to... 
to make him look like he's a big deal. He's sitting on sort of a thronish chair. He's got all of the necklaces and everything. He's just strangely wide and squat. But the the design that they went with here, I like quite a bit. And I also like Major Blood in his suit. I think that's yeah. a cool look. Well, well and he's and he's like, because it took me a second. I was like, is that Major Blood? He's got the eye patch. He's got like the gray in his beard. And I think that's a good touch. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm I'm presuming that he's supposed to be looked aged up, and that's not just a coloring decision because Mindbender's mustache. Well, uh, there there are a lot of things in this because I couldn't decide throughout this whether these people have all these lines in their faces because they're supposed to be older or because they're overdrawn. Yeah, they're overdrawn. This was very much think about it. This is when that Jim Lee Lionel cover came out where his whole face is nothing but cross hatching. Yeah. This was the image style then. The this is the the art style at the time was the equivalent of a Young Bucks match. <laughs> There's just too much. Yeah. Uh and then to- we've got Torch uh in in what looks like it almost might be a uniform uh behind Zartan. Which maybe that's who it was with the tiny glasses in the previous oh, frame. I wonder Okay, let's no, no, because there's no beard on no that guy. Beard. Well, but that's also like an old picture. Well, Torch uh, never had major a beard, blood, though. I major... don't know why they would. Eh. He, I'm sure he shaved one day. Never. No, you know, he never. was trimming. He was trimming on one side, and he hit a balance on the other. I don't he think he even up. trims it. <laughs> I think Torch's beard goes all the way down to the top of his chest. Uh, all right. So we get a little kind of reintroduction of the tensions of Cobra, and we get the idea that everybody's doing pretty well without Cobra Commander, uh, which is a nice thing to establish. Much like the Joes, they've gone on and done other things. I'm getting caught up to where we are story-wise here. Let me... Okay. I've got my notes. Okay, so Cobra Commander is is having his meeting with his bigwigs, telling him he's back. He's got this plan for these nanites that can basically be programmed to wreak any kind of havoc he wants. Uh, and notably absent is Destro. But before we get to his appearance, check out this Cobra Trooper, or the Cobra Doorman, I guess. <laughs> No Cobra logo. No Cobra logo. But look at the headgear underneath the helmet and how much that looks like the classified balaclava. Yeah. Oh, good point. Just really, really kind of interesting. And even the arm guards and everything. Like, yeah, I, he's, got I, this, I, I, he's got like I the like, shoulder pads. and I yeah. like this design quite a bit. But no Cobra logos on this guy. So what's going on there? Well, but is that because Cobra Command, this guy has been working for Zartan. And isn't one of Cobra Commander's people. Uh-huh. I don't know. Or is it just an oversight and they forgot to put a Cobra <laughs> logo on him? Could be either one. Uh, Destro makes his big entrance, knocks this poor guy out. Well, one of his Iron Grenadiers knocks this poor guy out. Guys, tell me about this panel, these costume designs. 
minus the height of the boots, I would 100% buy a figure of this Destro. <laughs> I, I think it's, if you were updating his G1 look to something that was fitting in the designs of the times, that's it. I just think the boots are a little bit the, clunky. The, the, the well, they're three-inch heel, like the three-inch heels, and yeah, the I, I don't know if he either just has really great calf muscles or if there's just a lot of enhancement <laughs> around them. I love these. I love these Iron Grenadiers designs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The the Destro's a little. Uh, yeah, he's a little out there. Uh, it's a nice update. You you have the the red. Uh, the red and the black pops. Um, but which Destro is it? Right. Mm -hmm. And and you you only find well you find that out either by looking at uh, the GI Joe wiki or by continuing to read these comics. Right. Uh, and one of the cool thing, a little side note. They the following year in 2002 when they changed the design of the joes they did a destro very similar to this look i i don't think the boots were at well they were not as big but it was basically this design but they released it in multiple colors uh they had a red one a blue one i want to say there might have been a yellow one uh but there was definitely red mm. and blue and i used them as the different uh destros from this yeah uh, but his mask is very different. But we'll we'll get to that figure one of these days. Uh, so Destro comes in and, and sees that Cobra Commander is up to his old buffoonery. Goes and sits down right next to Baroness. And then next page, we get the Joes calling some old friends. Now, <laughs> let's let's run this down a little bit. You had mentioned that the art, in, in a lot of cases, is portraying them as looking older, uh, which, yes, there's too many lines on most of them, but I do think they achieved, uh, I think Stalker looks a little older. I think Wild Bill looks a little older. Like, they actually did mm -hmm. achieve giving him a little bit more of an aged look. Can we talk about how insane Gung Ho looks? Yeah. <laughs> what he hasn't is... slept in about three weeks. Yeah, what the heck is happening with that man? <laughs> That's a very bad inker. And then uh, everybody else said pretty, pretty solid. And again, uh, I, like yeah, I have the same. I have the same issue with spirit. Like he has no eyes. Yeah, at all. He looks like the Undertaker. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Mainframe's forehead. Well, it's just that his is normal sized compared to everybody else's. Well, being... no, he's got like he's got like something on like, oh the black mark the, above his uh, yeah. It's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> when he got the call. <laughs> I didn't uh, know mainframe was Catholic. But the See? the variety the variety here is great because you have Dusty who's clearly still deployed, still in the military, doing whatever it is he's doing. But not everybody like everybody's doing different things. They didn't kind of go the same route. It give them general like a lot of thought was put into what these joes did after gi joe uh i like rock and roll's you know little comment he's rock and roll with a mustache yeah 
saying he can grow his beard back. Like I, I, little things like that show that Blaylock very, very familiar with the mythology of GI Joe and looking mm-hmm. to expand upon it in a meaningful way. And then we finally get, of course, to the one. And this was this was actually probably my favorite part of reading this comic the first time. The the part that sticks with me is when we finally get to uh, Katzenbogen uh, here for Philip's security. Why does he look like Wilford Brimley? <laughs> so uh, he's let himself go a little bit. Maybe they aged him up a little bit too much. But uh, uh, yes. I did like the idea that, you know, if anybody's going to have let himself go in the ensuing years since G.I. Joe disbanded, it's probably going to be Bazooka. Too many frozen fudgy bars. That's right. And uh, uh, then a few issues later was when my love for this series started to wane quite a bit because Bazooka just shows up in he perfect shape. He just looks like Bazooka again. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, that I Because we know there's no VA that is operating that well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, so we get the collection of the new Joe recruits, uh, and I love the mix of the different branches of the military here. And we have Agent Hauser and General Hawk, who is now a juggler uh, who is trying to sort of keep an eye on and and perhaps even keep in line the rest of the jugglers. Uh, and this hawk has appears to have, I couldn't tell because there's so much shadowing, uh, but it looks like he's got blonde hair. There's one panel where he seems to distinctly, well, it's the one where he's looking at Kamakura. He seems to very distinctly have blonde hair. So they did not go with the, they went with comic hawk, I guess. And they explained away a, a, a bit of a trademark issue because he's like, you know, from here on out, the name's General Hawk, or as they begun calling us, uh, calling me in the rookie gossip circles, the Tomahawk. That's right. Because uh, they had to use that name for a while. Uh, so we get uh, kind of your typical older guys looking at Greenhorn stuff. Uh, he gets up and uh, this amused me greatly. Uh, I thought this is Hawk. How'd the Green Power Ranger get in here? Which a pop culture reference like that, for some reason to me, seems weird. But Larry Hama did it in the original comic. Yeah, a Moon mm-hmm. Moon Knight is referenced in. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Uh, I thought I made it clear that I won't repeat the Ninja Force recruitments, the upper brass passed in the nineties. That did amuse me. Uh, nice little reference uh and then I, it's explained to him that Kamakura explained to him and to us that Kamakura is snake eyes uh apprentice and that he's been working with agent hauser i also like in the previous panel before that where duke is uh in the face of a of a young man in a green beret who looks like an analog of lieutenant falcon oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't catch that that's funny interesting i you know i didn't notice this on my first read through interesting that duke actually says he's a former pupil of snake eyes so they're giving kamakura a little more autonomy like he's he's kind of graduated he still Mm. communicates with him or whatever but he's no longer a student he's a master and then we get a a weirdly non-gi joe airplane on this panel of hawk looking I've never seen any, I, 
I don't know how to describe this other than he looks dark and grunty. <laughs> mm-hmm. And not not in a grunt the G.I. Joe way, in a grunt the the verbalization way. A lot of shadows. Yeah. On a bright sunny day. Yeah. Right. Uh and again they reiterate kind of the the mystery of G.I. Joe and the mystery of whatever Agent Hauser is up to now, which is another kind of cool story point that it seems like, oh, they're going to continue on with whatever it is he's doing is significant. Uh, so Destro has listened to Cobra Commander's plan and we get some old Sunbow style uh, Destro and Cobra Commander bickering at each other a, a little over the top. And there's one line in particular. Oh, well, okay. So you, Cobra Commander says to Destro, you arrogant son of a, and then cuts off, which is about as edgy as the dialogue has ever been in G.I. Joe at this point. (laughs) Uh, I like that he calls Destro Euro trash. (laughs) And they did, it's just kind of a, I like this. Well, I like a lot. I like the end result of the scene because Cobra Commander actually comes back and owns Destro. Like he 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 mans up and rather than just sitting down crossing his arms and being mad at Destro, like he actually has a comeback and seems like a stronger leader than than the Sunbow yeah of this suggests and, mm-hmm. and i mean uh, we can't help but to hop harp on the artwork but i wish the artwork was better because i even like the little aside the baroness has when all when destro and cobra commander start going yes. at it and she's like yeah, here, here we, we go, go again, again. Yeah. like like everyone's falling right back into place um but that dialogue box just draws me to how badly her and Tomax, one of the one of the one of them brothers, is drawn and yeah, and then the the artwork in those two bottom frames, both of them like Destro's face looks like it's melting, and then for some reason Cobra Commander has one eye. Yeah, yeah, which because is, shadow. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't look at all natural it just looks no. like he's you know he's had his eye his eye gouged out <laughs> well it looks like he forgot to draw the eye yeah <laughs> uh all right so moving along dead cobra commander is basically told destro look you're here because you thought i brought something to the table if, if you're not interested leave because we got business to conduct and destro sits down uh Oof, can't wait to get to that weird last page. Uh, so we get the story of what happened with Scarlet and Snake Eyes. They were supposed to get married. Snake Eyes bugged out, went up to his little mountain cabin. And this was another interesting point, I thought, uh, that Snake Eyes couldn't handle it when things got normal. Uh, definitely a mark of, of PTSD. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was an interesting point because as much as everybody would like to see snake eyes and scarlet live happily ever after this makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. when there are no enemies left to fight we must fight ourselves or something 
Uh, and then Cobra Commander goes to a room with some ladies. What was Hacksaw Jim Duggan's catchphrase? <laughs> like, uh... is that what we're supposed to <laughs> take away from this? Um, you know, it's it's something that you would imagine that a power hungry uh, a madman would 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 want. It wasn't I something guess. explored very often because it was a, it was a, mainly a children's property. Um, but it, I I don't think it takes away from his character if he I, has a if he has concubines. Oh no 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 no. no. There's a line that he uses in here that I think sums up his character very well and his quintessential Cobra Commander because it's not just that he's in there with some special ladies he throws his cape at one of them and yeah. is like here hang this up so it he's just about using people mm-hmm. yeah I don't think it's out of line with his character at all uh, but it does seem uh, again a little edgy for G.I. Joe but it's image comics this, right. this is right. not your grandpa's G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of one of the ladies uh, gets a little frisky with him, starts rubbing up on old Cobra Commander, who, by the way, you can see all of his musculature through his costume, which or his uniform, which is a little weird. Uh, she says that's why Candy is here. And then she drives a, a was that knee. I can't even tell from the artwork. Uh- I don't understand what's going on in this frame. And I looked at it for like five minutes because is she, first of all, he looks tiny in comparison to her. Yes. And, and I his, don't know. His buttocks are drawn with such loving care. Right. I was like, is that her foot or is that her knee going it's into her, the crotch? It's her knee. It's her knee. Because you can see the bottom of her giant boot. Yeah. Right. Eventually, I think I kind of figured out what's going on, but it's still like perspective wise. There's something way off because it doesn't look like that's large enough to be this hulking Cobra Commander we've been no. seeing throughout the issue. No, definitely not. Uh, so she uh, knees him, kicks him in the face. He falls on the ground. Destro has walked in. They have similar tastes in boots, so this makes sense. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, it says, excellent work, Lillian, my dear. Now, I believe... Candy slash Lillian is actually Mistress Armada. Is that correct? Yes. I I, I haven't read ahead, so I don't know. But I, if I'm remembering right, that's who she is. Uh, and then we get you know a really cool reveal of Cobra Commander calling his guards in, and and Destro has already got those guards under his control. And that's our cliffhanger ending. Is Destro has taken cobra commander into custody for whatever is going on whatever his plan is uh good stuff yeah uh story-wise you know this was a this was a winner yeah well and and honestly as much as the details of the art i don't love the artist is is a good storyteller Mm-hmm. the frames all made sense everything sequentially moved along i never got confused or lost as to the storytelling aspect of the artwork now now again the cobra commander getting need in the junk was a little hard to decipher but for the most part uh the the storytelling aspect of the art was good as well so i mean this this was really good now i'm 
excited to continue reading it. The only thing is I don't want to start rereading this while I'm still rereading the Marvel <laughs> stuff, but I think I might have to. Uh, it, it's just very exciting. Uh, so in our back pages here, we get a really nice message from uh, Josh Blaylock, the the writer and the president of Devil's Due Comics. Uh, we get a little, well, we get a smalljoes.com ad. Wow. Yes. I'm assuming you guys don't have a paper copy sitting in front of you. No. No. So, so well, yeah. I mean. Uh, uh, smalljoes.com. Your best source for G.I. Joe three and three quarter inch collectibles and more. Uh, they've got shots of the newer Striker at the time. Some crazy motorcycle that I don't even know what it is. It looks like a Ram, but it's like black and silver. Uh, and then a couple of Tiger Force figures, maybe. And then these two other wild vehicles that I don't recognize off the top of my head, but we carry the full line of Hasbro's G.I. Joe, the Real American Hero Collection. Also, you can't miss our huge selection of G.I. Joe product from Fun School in India. Exotic variations on the original toys at the best prices around. Don't forget to check out our T-shirts, figure stands, and replacement screws and O-rings. Fair shipping wow. prices. International customers welcomed. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> uh, and then a little uh, splash page for issue number two. The commander is out and Destro is in. Bum, bum, bum. And uh, you've got Snake Eyes facing off against a Viper. Scarlet with a gun and a communication device, maybe. And then I have no idea who this character is in this middle panel. Not a clue. The chaos begins this November. Very cool. And I think that's the last page of, oh, no, I take that back. Uh, the inside back cover features the best art in this entire publication uh, by Jason Alexander. Probably not the more famous <laughs> Jason Alexander, uh, but this really cool piece. Uh, yeah, Destro. that's what mine has. Yeah, very, very cool piece of art. And then the back cover is a really nice uh, Snake Eyes with a signature, but I, I yep. can't make it out. I don't know who did that. So there you go. Uh, that is G.I. Joe, Real American Hero number one from Image Comics. Any final thoughts on that one? Uh, are you guys feeling sort of compelled to to continue on with the story? I could probably go back and there's not i mean this isn't a very long series overall no, it's like 40 something issues yeah well it's if yeah that. real american heroes i think it was 43 issues and then they changed it to america's elite mm -hmm. so the story continues but it's it's a different titled comic but it is this same continuity mm. yeah uh all right well that was a solid review i'm looking forward to reading some more or rereading some more of this stuff i think for now it is time to move on This is America's Elite, where we take a look at the different versions of a G.I. Joe character that have been released over time. Now, we, we may miss a couple here and there, but we're certainly going to hit all the uh, 
screen three quarter inch traditional size figures and try to talk about things outside of that range that may have come out this time around because he's the talk of the town he's truly a hot property (laughs) we are looking at falcon later to be known as lieutenant falcon later later to be known as vincent falcon falcone uh, a, a man of many similar names, uh, as so many Joes are. Uh, the original Falcon figure came out in 1987, and I absolutely loved this figure. Yeah. Uh, just the look, like, well, first of all, any any figures that had camouflage, I was going to be more partial to. Noel, we know about your beret fetish. Berets, are, yeah, yeah. Berets <laughs> are always a plus. But I mean, he was—he actually looked like a guy in the military. He had, and he and he had like the neckerchief, which was a cool thing. Um, you know, he, just a great-looking army figure. Well, and he had this cool, unique—he had that chunky backpack with the antenna on it, uh, and you could store the knife on the backpack. Always a nice feature. Uh, just everything about him looked cool. He had the spats. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, are, okay, wait. Gators. Are they spats or, or gators or is that? Yeah, I guess they are. They're coverings. Yeah. Because there's a design of boot that, lo- well, no, because look. It is. It's the type of boot that has like the canvas. Because if you look at the back of his boot, the leather goes all the way up. Yeah. So this is these aren't coverings. Oh. This is the design of boot that has like the canvas hmm. uh upper. Which is interesting because that's not what the front of the boot looks like. But uh yeah, just great design. He's got bonus pouches. Uh he, he has not only the standard uh cargo pouch on the thigh he has little pouches on his calves as well Mm. (laughs) which is a nice touch uh web gear looks great i like that it is uh the it's it's keeping with the green theme but it does stand out it's that lighter color uh he's got a little comm device uh, on the right side there like tons and tons of detail on this guy it's funny because you you kind of think of him as just oh he's one of the green figures but he does have tons of like good sculpted detail that really stands out nicely yeah and by this time i mean they were always putting a lot of effort into the sculpting of these figures yeah 87 was a big year for like detail sculpts yeah uh and then the beret if you look the uh what is the flash what is that called Mm -hmm. on the is that right yep Yep. uh it is it is actually sculpted as well it's not just painted on Mm -hmm. uh and then his shotgun uh shotgun with a handle which at the time like in 1987 i thought was wild to have a pistol grip on a shotgun mm-hmm. uh so a great great figure uh, as you said no great army guy yeah did, did you guys have this falcon back in the day Mm-mm. yes christian have you had a falcon no and you can 100% thank G.I. Joe the movie for that. <laughs> Understandable. Well, Classified see, I had is going to before. be my first Falcon. Yeah, I had my Falcon long before I saw the movie. 
Yeah, I did as well. So, uh, you know, he hadn't he hadn't been tainted for me yet. So in 1988, the very next year, uh, we get a Toys R Us exclusive Falcon version two, Night Force Force Falcon, that just my personal opinion, ugly as sin. Yeah, this these colors, like individually, his upper half and his bottom half are fine, but together they just don't work for me. Well, and the gray sleeves also just. It, it really is. It's just yeah. the combination of these things. It looks bad. If he had black sleeves, he'd look better. If he had uh, a fully gray shirt, he'd look better. If he had black pants, like if he was just all, if he was like the Night Force ripcord that we just got, like if he was just black and green, mm-hmm. he would look mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But th- this combination is just awful. And it's the same sculpt, ex- uh, exact same figure. Uh, same accessories, just all all in black. Uh, and he was carded with Sneak Peek, who is, I actually kind of dig that Sneak Peek, but we'll talk about him another day. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this this one is pretty awful. Yeah, not probably one of the weaker of the Night Force figures. And then in 1991... We get the supersonic fighter Falcon, who I believe we have talked about before, but we're going to discuss a little bit again now. Uh, I believe the supersonic fighters were your pick, Christian. You want to talk about this guy? Yeah, because by this point, my younger brother was into G.I. Joe. So we had to have, he had to have had them because he was all about the, the, Sonic, any Joe or any toy that made noise electronically. Right, right. Um, But yeah, so he's, it's same body as the G1, um, just now done in a solid gray suit with kind of the digital camo um, pattern, black neck, uh, neckerchief. Uh, I, I, like how they broke up his web gear yes so the, the web mm-hmm. gear is like black but then all the the actual gear like you know the sheath for his knife the communication device is like a dark green obviously his beret is still green um and then he came with so his uh sonic backpack was this humongous blue monstrosity with propeller blades <laughs> on it <laughs> and two little red lights yes uh, um and ridiculously oversized guns but the guns are at least in scale with the backpack um what is this second laser rifle this thing is insanity yeah <laughs> it is how do you even hold that thing but that's okay so it's it, the brace part is what's on, his, on bicep. his bicep because that is just too big of a gun for <laughs> you know falcon like if this was roadblock he'd be able to hold that gun no problem um but it's you know the handle uh is on the top of the gun and you've got so let me get this right this laser rifle mm-hmm. with the bicep clamp and the handle on top is that a scope 
that yeah. you cannot possibly ever use? <laughs> well, but think about it. When you're when you are flying up in the air, you want to be able to see your target <laughs> down on the ground. That's right. So that's right. I it's not so much that that is an eye scope, it is a little screen. <laughs> so well, maybe in see. the in the real world application of this, that uh, that uh, bicep brace is on a hinge, so you could extend your arm. This is craziness because it has a little it has a little round piece there. So in my right, in my head yeah. can that's a hinge. Sure, sure, we'll go with that. I uh, would say I would say outside. There's one major flaw I have with this figure on its own. I wish it had black boots. Yes. I was just getting ready to mm -hmm. say the two things that keep me from loving this one is his boots should be black and the camo should be on his sleeves. Yeah. I think the camo is probably just a limitation thing. And if tried... you, if you weren't going to put the camo on his sleeves, I wish they were black. Right. Eh, I don't know. Mm. Well, here's the thing. If they were black, it would look like it was a different piece of clothing and it wouldn't stand out as much. But this, it just looks weird that his sleeves are the same color as everything else, but don't have the camo on them. Whereas mm -hmm. if they were black, at least it would seem like a different thing. I see what you're going for. The sleeves don't bother me as much as the the gray boots. Yeah, the gray boots are pretty bad. Or, or at the very least, they should be colored like the original figures, where like parts of the boots are black. Mm -hmm. Like if it still had the they gray need something uppers, to break it fine. up. Yeah, uh, but overall, not bad. I dig it. I kind of, I, I wouldn't mind owning this at some point, especially yeah, with could, this giant goofy helicopter backpack. I could do without any of the accessories. I could just, you know, stick a regular rifle in this yeah. guy's arm. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm fine. Uh, so it'd be quite some time before we got another Lieutenant Falcon. Oh, and and just if you're keeping up, uh, he immediately was dubbed Lieutenant Falcon in 1988. The original release is just Falcon, uh, but then from 88 until 2009, he is Lieutenant Falcon. And then we'll get to his uh, other ones later. Uh, so Lieutenant Val uh, Falcon version three in 2003 was a G.I. Joe convention exclusive in the Defender of Freedom. Wait. Yes. Lieutenant Falcon was only available at the 2003 G.I. Joe convention. Def was the convention called Defender of Freedom? Uh, because it Operation was included. Anaconda was the box set. So, uh, right. yeah, I guess. Weird. Well, let's see. I have my G.I. Joe convention uh, book still oh, in yeah, front of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's see, 2003, Operation Anaconda, Ambush at Cobra Island. Um, I don't see a mention of Defender of Freedom. This just talks about the box set. So, yeah, I guess the convention was called Defender of Freedom. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, so this one is great. Yeah. Uh, it is weird to me that he's got brown hair. Well, he had brown hair initially, didn't he? Or Yeah, because his first figure was brown. He was black in the last figure we just looked at. Oh, you're right. He does have dark brown hair. I was saying, yeah. well, I'm, I'm putting Flint's head on Falcon's body. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so yeah another, this one, another straight repaint, but this is the best paint application yet. Yeah, the camouflage looks fantastic and is on the sleeves. Uh, actually, you know what? He, 
he's not the same. Those boots are somebody else's boots. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I guess they are. He doesn't um, have the lower pouches either. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. So his his whole matter of fact, from the waist down, he is different. Oh, look at the waist piece. He's got the old Hasbro belt. Yeah. 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 So he's got like an 83 waist piece. Interesting. Let's see. It should so the head, arms, and torso were from 87 Falcon. Uh crotch was the swivel arm, yes, breaker flash grunt, all the 83 guys. And uh, legs were, yeah, 82 legs as well. So that's an interesting construction. Looks great, though. I mean, the paint on yeah. it is fantastic. And when you get into his accessories, his backpack has paint on it. Yeah. Uh, and this is a different backpack. How weird that it has the antenna. It has the spot for the knife storage, but this is a completely different backpack. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. I can't zoom in on it too well to get a closer look. Uh, he does not have a shotgun, but he's got two different rifles that both look pretty good. He's got a pistol. Uh, honestly, too many accessories, if you ask me. Um, yep, more than he can hold. Yeah. Uh, but looks good. Uh, it's a different knife as well from the original. Uh, but looks good. This is a good one. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think most of these convention exclusives, though, as we've gone through these, they tend to be really nice. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to our 25th anniversary Falcon. Uh, this is version four, still Lieutenant Falcon. And I'm a little disappointed in that in that uh, camo job. I'm a little disappointed in a lot of aspects of this figure. Uh, to the point where I own this two-pack. Uh, he came with Nemesis Enforcer. This is one of the comic packs. Uh, and I I bought it because I was buying pretty much everything Joe at the time. But I never opened this one because I didn't like the look of Nemesis Enforcer. And I didn't like the look of this Falcon. He's got a big chin. I, his portrait doesn't bother me overly much, but I hate those Duke forearms with the giant mm -hmm. sliced wrists. Mm -hmm. um, his legs don't look good. It looks like he's wearing like super tight pants. Yeah. This was everything that was wrong with yeah the 25th style yes he is definitely one you can point to to say there were some problems and and look yeah. we're seeing this again but look at his knees like the plastic does not match at all no uh the, the, the camo v is weak the, the v style crotch pretty much meant they can't sit yeah Decently. Noel, you were totally right about the camo i, I this it's not good yeah, this this is not a good figure. So we will move on. <laughs> oh, accessory wise, uh, he did come with a nice loadout. He's got his his neckerchief uh, backpack looks good. Uh, yeah. It is basically got, an update of the original. Yeah, it's got like painted snaps or or is it the the, the bottom? Oh, those are the uh, the canteen canteens. lids. Yeah, yeah. The canteen and then the rope painted. is painted as well. It's got the antenna is silver, which I like because it's the you know the radio is sticking out of his backpack. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and there's the radio that the, we've never seen before. <laughs> uh, 
And then he's got an, another pistol, a new model of a pistol grip shotgun, a knife that is the same shape as the original, but has a painted blade. So like his accessories are great. Uh, just the figure itself is, is not so great. However, moving on. Oh, wait, nope. That's not the one where <laughs> this one is not the redemption. I don't think. What the heck is this? Oh, this is one of the direct to consumer uh, releases. This is version five of Lieutenant Falcon. Uh, It was an exclusive with the GI Joe collectors club. And. Woof. Not. Not great. Uh, it was used. What did they use? It's General Adam oh, the comic pack. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I like that more like formal dress suit, but it doesn't fit with this Falcon who's also carrying grenades on him. Yeah, this is so weird. I guess yeah. for the style of the the latter day O ring style, it's not bad. It has better proportions than a lot of these la- later O ring figures do. Yeah, like his shoulders, you can see the the giant shoulder joints, but because of the upper body bulk, it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, yeah. I like his collar. The way that they've done his collar to look sort of almost turned up a little bit. Um. Yeah, you know, honestly, if if he didn't have that web gear on, I would think this is a pretty good figure. But he's wearing web gear over a dress uniform, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. What if what if the web gear was a different color? What if it was like tan? Uh, I like the aesthetics would so. still be weird, but I feel like the figure would look better. I don't know. I, Overall, this is I mean, as bad as the 25th one to this, my eyes yeah well this isn't going to be anybody's favorite falcon no <laughs> uh, he came with tons of of gun parts uh he's got a rifle ammo box uh bipod things he does have a pistol grip shotgun and a regular pistol uh, so he, he at least does have a couple of weapons that you know are usable and not gigantic insane things uh yeah not not anybody's favorite no uh 2011 we get the one that i'm kind of the most excited about i clicked on the wrong link let me try that again uh this is vincent falcon falcone and this came in the Slaughtered's Marauders battle set, which is, I love this set. It was, I can't remember if it was a Big Bad Toy Store exclusive. It was. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, it came out the same time as their Dreadnoughts box. Set. Right, right, right. And this was uh, 2011. And I am a big, big fan of this set. Uh, they combined the Renegades and Marauders. Uh, it's obviously it's not all of them but they kind of threw them all into a set together as a way to get the figures out uh while i'm not huge on the way they did the harness on this guy as opposed to just giving him web gear and i absolutely hate his abdominal joint 
I think everything else about him looks pretty good. I yeah, think they've they, done a good job with the Marauders colors. Yeah, yeah, they did a they did a mm-hmm. great job of putting all those Marauders colors in there without him looking like um, a, a dipped Easter egg, as we talked about with Lola. Yes. A couple mm-hmm. ago. Yes. Uh, I think the portrait looks fantastic. Uh, the removable beret works really, really well for this scale. His gloves look good. Uh, I j- he's he's cool. He's a cool looking figure, and and within the aesthetics of this style of GI Joe figure, because they all have that terrible abdominal cut. Uh, he's pretty cool. I like this one a lot. Uh, and he's got the the beret, the neckerchief, the harness, all removable, the skirt. I mean, it's a separate piece, but I wouldn't really call it removable. Uh, and then a rifle, grenade launcher, and uh, and then a stand, which everything came with a stand. And that was very good because these figures are uh, not going to stand on your shelf very well <laughs> without one. Any more thoughts about this guy? No, I said it's... Uh... For for what this figure was, I do agree. He's a, he's he's one of the better ones. Christian, have you got this one? No, no, I did not. It's one not so much on the Slaughter's Marauders ends, but I I I regret not getting these a big bad at this time. A lot of the GI Joe twenty fifth stuff that was coming out was getting marked down fairly quickly uh, so i was one of those guys that was like ah give it a month and then they and were big gone. bad's gonna be clearancing it out and it was like yeah yeah if i'm if i'm remembering correctly because they did this set in the dreadnought set and then they did the cobra desert and polar sets and then they did assault on cobra island Mm-hmm. There was two sets. I don't think these were all big bad exclusives, but I think they were all retailer exclusive somewhere. And I feel like all of those sets sold like really fast. And I've got all of them. Yeah, because these were like right at the end of the. Yeah, this. I think this was the last of those that came out. Yeah. Uh, All right. So yeah, I dig this one. This is a good one. Yep. Uh, 2014, we get Lieutenant Falcon version six, which is the same figure as the last one we just saw. As which one? As the, as the slaughter, the slaughter's marauders. No, yep. this one is a little different. Well, it's yeah, sculpt wise, the base sculpt, is the same, but yeah, sculpt is the same. He has different accessories and he's got better web gear. Yeah, they and they the skirt is not part of this figure. But they use the web gear to break up that that part at the bottom where it narrows. So this was oh, this is a collector's club figure. Yeah. That's why yep. I don't that's why I don't have this when he shipped with cesspool. Um I like the colors on this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got like a night force, like he's basically yeah. night force. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. It it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, it is Night Force. Because look, Night Force, yeah. He's got he's yeah, he's even got the gray sleeves, but it all works so much better here. It's, it's a darker gray. Yeah. Yeah, this one looks really good. Uh and he's of course loaded with accessories. He's got all the same stuff um from the Well, now that's interesting. So he's got a two-part radio with the antenna. 
and then he's got the backpack uh, that we've seen so many times. Web gear. Uh, it looks good. Looks good. Uh, yeah. I like this one a lot. I wouldn't pay the $200 it probably costs now, but uh, good job on this Falcon. And then finally, uh, or not finally, because we've got one more after this, Vincent Falcon Falcone version 3 came out in 2016 as part of the, I think he was the 50th anniversary stuff. Yes, uh, Special Forces 3-pack with Outback and Shooter. And he is in all black, except for this is a weird look. With his red neckerchief and his green beret. With everything else in black. Also, very odd how they did his knee joint. Look at his knee pad separates at the yeah. articulation. What is that all about? And then it looks like hmm. it looks like the skirt has paint on it that the rest of his shirt does not. Or is that no, that's just glare from the picture, I think. And then the flash on his beret has no paint. I don't like this one at all. This is this seems like a cheapo. Yeah, this was yeah. pumping things out at the last minute to. Which well, but is some of these weird really, because so some of these were of the really 50th, really nice. Yeah, were a step up from what had been released. But I mean, that's the exact same from the. Uh, that whole uh, midsection chest skirt, like it's the same piece that we've had now for what was it, three, four figures? And I don't know why on this one it looks as bad as it did on that Slaughter's Marauders version. Yeah, this is uh, this is rough. <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, like this one. A nice skipped this set wow this is a bare bone set because outback is just all black i mean it's clearly oh. supposed to be kind of night forcey yeah yeah i, I see this I outback that, on ebay a lot even though i wanted that shooter figure um the price point on this set i don't remember i wonder if it's listed on here most of the time Twenty two ninety nine. I balked at yeah. twenty two ninety nine wow. for three figures, and the Outback is a good looking figure. It looks good. It's just dull. Yeah, he's just he's just all black. But otherwise, he's. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's fine. He's a. So yeah, I cannot believe I passed on this, thinking it was too expensive, and it was twenty two ninety nine. Because at the time, to figures me. were had. I mean. I think we had hit, we hadn't even hit the $10 mark yet. No, I guess not. And that's only seven years ago. <laughs> wow. Seven years, the same amount of time that uh, passed between Real American Hero ending and the Image comic launching. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. All right, we got one more to talk about. Uh, if we missed a Falcon, please let us know. You can hit us up, uh, Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. Shoot us a message. Uh, let us know what we missed. But we do have one more that uh, Christian found 
You want to tell us about this one? Yeah. So in 2012, as part of the San Diego Comic-Con, Sideshow Collectibles did an exclusive G.I. Joe Real American Hero Green Beret Lieutenant Falcon six-inch figure. Six scale. Um, Sorry, sorry. Six scale. Yeah. 12 inches. he, I mean, if you know Sideshow, you know the quality that you're getting. He's amazing looking. Yeah, I this think. figure is insane. Uh, I bought a few of, because I was actively collecting uh, several things from Sideshow around the time the G.I. Joe line started. And the G.I. Joe line was the big price hike where they got up over $100 because I had been collecting like uh, Buffy and James Bond and stuff like mm-hmm. that when they were. I don't think those were even 40 bucks a piece. I want to say there were sideshow figures that came out that were like $35. And G.I. Joe put it up over 100 because Star Wars had gotten up to like 75 maybe. Uh-huh. And G.I. Joe, I think, were the first ones that went up over 100 And I bought. Cobra Commander, Zartan, uh, and Duke. The Duke ended up just being too bland for me, and I sold it, and I don't regret it a bit because I still think it's kind of bland. And then later on eBay, I came across a Cobra Sniper for like 40 bucks. Wow. Uh, In box, brand new in box. So I got that one just because, but by this point, I was out. Uh, but you can see the incredible detail. Look at the storage for his shotgun shells. Look at his shotgun shells. Mm-hmm. Tiny little shotgun shells. And the beret looks like it's like, like Yeah. Yeah, that's a soft yeah. goods beret for sure. Um, obviously, soft goods uniform, web gear, all of that. Uh, even that backpack is soft goods. And all of those little zippers work. All those little clips, mm-hmm. uh, like this stuff was insanely detailed. They were at that time, they were hot toys before hot yeah. toys. Yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. And if you look at the final picture here, you can get a look at uh, Colonel, uh General Hawk and rock and roll as well. Uh, th- I mean, this is an incredible figure. The portrait, I think, did we did we mention what you said about the portrait? No. Who it looked like? It looks like Channing Tatum. Yeah. And this came out three years after Channing Tatum played his brother, so uh, maybe there was some inspiration there. Uh, so, yeah, this is a pretty phenomenal figure. And this this is kind of how I ended up, I mean, these figures from Sideshow. Uh, when Mezco first started doing 112, like that's part of the reason I fell in love with that because Mezco does this level of detail at a smaller, <laughs> very expensive, but more affordable than this <laughs> scale. So it was very fun getting this kind of detail again after collecting these sideshow figures for years. But yeah, this one is fantastic. Uh, all right. So now comes the time where we each have to pick our favorite version of Falcon. Uh, I, they've never done one better than the original, in my opinion. And I know we, we say that a lot, but, and there's a reason they're classics. I I think that first 1987 Falcon is the best. Yeah. Um, 
I love that 2003 Falcon. Um, but I think, I think the original's got to be where, where I go with this. I agree. Oh, I thought you might come in with a, with a, I know, field. you know, typically, <laughs> typically I am, but I, the, I didn't get the 25th anniversary version because it was just so bad at the time. And, even though I think like the Slaughter's Marauders version out of the more modern era stuff, he looks the best out of them th- that I can't get past that waist. Yeah. Part. The, so the, the G1 Falcon, you know, the, the camo paint job, just everything on it is, is hitting all the points. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like every version after that will have will look great in one area and then just WTF. Uh, yeah, in another. all of them all of them have some major flaw. All of the later ones have mm-hmm. some major flaw that just keeps them from being great. Mm-hmm. It is time now for Knowing is Half the Babble, where each of us get a little bit of time to talk about anything we want that may not even be G.I. Joe related. Uh, I'm going to kick it off this time with something that is definitely not G.I. Joe related, but brought me a ton of joy. And that is uh, from Sam Ham and Joe Quinones, the Batman 1989 uh, hardcover collection. These. Uh, DC Comics released uh, a couple of years ago a miniseries that basically follows Batman Returns and uses the characters from Batman and Batman Returns and continues the story with a Billy D. Williams Two-Face, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman Returns, and it is fantastic. The storytelling is great. You know, we talked about how the in image uh gi joe number one the characters progressed and the same thing happens here where we see where these characters have changed and evolved a bit in the time that's passed after those two movies uh the art is fantastic if you know joe quinones he's uh an incredible artist who's very very good at adapting uh specific looks uh and sam ham uh wrote the uh Hang on just a second. I got to do one of those things where I verify a fact before I say it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he wrote not only the Batman 1989 film, but also the novelization, which you have not, if you've not read it, you should, because it's great. And it includes sort of homage to Dark Knight Returns, where Batman rides a horse through the city. Uh, and then he uh, wrote the story. He's got a story by credit on Batman Returns, uh, but it's just it's a ton of fun, and it's more than just a cash in. Like, haha, look, we're using these movie characters in a comic book. Like, there's a good story there, 
and it even features uh, the version of Robin that potentially would have been played by Marlon Wayans. Wow. It's it's good. Hi, two thumbs up from me. Highly recommend it. Hmm. All right. Uh, Christian, what you got? So I, I was listening to um, one of my cartoon commentary YouTubers, uh, and they were talking about Chuck McCann, um, who apparently, uh, besides being a prolific voice actor that has done so much that we grew up with um, in the during the 70s and 80s, you could often find him hanging out at Mel's Diner in Hollywood. And that's actually what caught my attention because of all the years I worked at Universal and we had a version of Mel's Diner. Um, anyway, um, so how he relates to G.I. Joe is he was the voice of Leatherneck in oh, a real okay. American hero. Um but what uh, I'm trying to pull it up here, what kind of made me chuckle and what I definitely appreciate for um, the voice actors who could really use their their voice as an instrument to change how they sound is that in the 80s, he was also the voice of Duckworth on DuckTales and Burger Beagle and Bouncer Beagle. And when I think of Leatherneck and I think of Duckworth, they're just polar opposite sounding Yeah, that's voices. wild. So um, th- that was a fun uh, deep dive I kind of went into um, yesterday over all of his work. So if you get a chance, check him out. All right, Noel, what do you got for us? So uh, I was uh, reminded of something that uh, I I saw back in 2020. um, This was something that kind of unlocked a puzzle of the world of toys that had been existing for close to 30 years at this point. Um, So if you remember, I'm also a Transformers fan. Um, If you remember in the very first year, there were six mini bots. You had Bumblebee and you had Cliff Jumper, of course, uh, but then you also had Brawn, Huffer, um, Wind Charger, and uh, Gears. And it was always kind of assumed that those four, or th- that all, all six of those came from the micro change line from Takara. Um, and it kind of makes sense because Bumblebee and Cliff Jumper looked like little Koroku, like little penny racer cars. But it always kind of like seemed odd that the rest of them, because they didn't really seem to fit the aesthetic. Um, Chris McFeely, who's a great YouTuber who covers Transformers back in 2020, did an episode, and you can look this up, it's called Muffy and the Mysterians, M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-N-S, M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A-N-S, where they discovered, apparently, in very recent years, that the toy company Knickerbocker had a toy line they were going to produce of transforming robots, four of which became... Gears, Huffer, uh, Brawn, and Windcharger. And Wild. if you notice, if you if you're familiar with those toys, three of them have a little bl- 
black box with an M on it. And mm -hmm. for years, people thought that might have stood for microchange. In actuality, that stands for Mysterians, because that was where Whoa. this toy line came from. Um, if you get a chance uh, and you've not seen this or you're not familiar with this, uh, just look up Muffy and the Mysterians, uh, Chris McFeely on YouTube. Um, I, I This was hardcore pandemic was when this first like hit it was like august of 2020 and i was just sitting on my couch watching lots of youtube stuff and th this thing came along and my mind was just completely blown like 27 years of knowledge of transformers just came unraveled in my head right then so uh yeah really really cool stuff just kind of showing the the unknown origins of some of your favorite toys well, and that's what's that. so fun. That's what's so fun about doing these kinds of shows and talking about these things is is you never know when you're going to come across some like wild piece of information or part of an origin story that you just never knew about before. Well, guys, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about GI Joe once again. You know, it's uh, one of my favorite things to do. Before we go, I got to tell everyone our music is by Andy Samford of electricminnowmusic.com. Go check him out. He uh, has all kinds of music from all different genres, uh, all performed by him personally. Follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at GI Joe Audible. Christian. Where can we find those lovely photographs that you take? You can find me on Instagram under Legion Cub. And Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Finest? The Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming club, and we raise money for a fantastic organization called Canines for Warriors. So check out thefinestcc.com or the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook if you are interested in dressing up like your favorite G.I. Joe character and helping us raise money. Well, we will be back very soon with another live stream. And uh, every single Friday, you can find these episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, yo, Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.